pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. Melder scores. Melder scored in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman to discuss Paul Green's front row options for Game 1 of Origin and whether Nico Hines should take the money on offer elsewhere or stay and ply his trade with the Storm, as well as predictions for Round 11. Magic round has come and gone. Kieran, the scourge of the rest of the country, have left our beautiful hometown <laughs> of Brisbane. Uh, did you end up getting to Magic Round at all? No, uh, I ended up staying uh, at home and watching with some pizza on the couch. Um, it, was, it was good viewing, except for uh, the Cowboys game, which was a, a little difficult to watch, but I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I, I hope it's here to stay in Brisbane. I was playing indoor cricket at the time, and I did get some text messages from your uh, from your brother <laughs> Owen, uh, who I think accidentally called me babe. Um, yeah, and then just ran with it, and I figured maybe he had a couple of drinks. Yes, he had a, a couple of beers. We had some beers. We had uh, a mate of mine over, actually from Townsville, um, and yeah, we were having a bit of a drink. And he, he, I can't remember. He said something like, "Oh, let's go, Cowboys, babe," but he meant yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't often get called babe by uh, by my clients, but that was that was an interesting one. Uh, and I said to him, I, just, I responded with, "Did you just call me babe?" And he's like, "Yes, I did." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Miles, people would have just heard the uh, lovely laugh of you in the background. Did you have a fun time watching Magic Round on the weekend? I did. I actually, it, it always like uh, maybe this is just my head buffering, but like I, it always trips me out when you go to watch the next game and you're like, what the hell? That's not the home ground for uh, whichever team has the home game. And then you're like, oh, that's right, Magic Ground. So I think being away from, from not living in Brisbane, kind of, you can sort of forget it when you turn off the television. Or even when it's a Broncos home game, you're like, wait, that's a full stadium. That hasn't happened for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what I said. I will, um, I did uh, go out with uh, some uh, some of my friends on Sunday to watch the, the Eels game uh, at the pub. Uh, i got a few friends who are uh, fans of the Eels, and I, I do love a Sunday afternoon Broncos game. It's, uh, sorry, Broncos, Suncorp Stadium game. It's um, a nice stadium in the in the sun. It's a heck of a stadium to watch football at, and I believe that you are making the venture up here very shortly to do that. Indeed, and uh, and to, to peel back the curtain a bit, Kieran is trying to, to drag me out the day earlier as well to, to watch the Wallabies, so it's going to be tough to resist that one too. <laughs> yeah, mad invite, bros. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. No, nah, don't worry, it's just the Wallabies, I don't mind that much. Uh, Kieran, you got uh, six out of eight on Magic Round, and your bold prediction that the Cowboys would end up in the top eight by the end of the round didn't quite come to fruition, although they are on level pegging with eight spot. Yeah, yeah, and for um, a little while there, it looked like it was possible. I don't think it. I ever thought it was going to happen. Uh, whilst the game was being played, just the Cowboys didn't didn't really play well enough, and you could see that maybe if they had scored a try to take the lead, they would have uh, come over the top. But yeah, uh, another loss. 
I got seven out of eight. So I'm starting to get some momentum as I'm still like seven points behind third at the moment. But uh, my bold prediction did come true. I don't think it's that bold in hindsight, but that every Queensland team will lose by at least 12 points or more. It was looking shaky in that same game you're talking about between the Roosters and the Cowboys, but the Roosters did eventually get a 14-point win. The Panthers won by plenty, and so did the Seagulls. So... That one, it did come true. And Miles, you also got seven out of eight. You weren't with us last week, so you weren't able to uh, bring together a bold prediction. But I can announce to you, Miles, that you have just overtaken Chris Waring to become the top of the ladder so far with that seven out of eight. Excellent. I, uh, I'm, um, I let the others set the pace. I'm like a distance runner. <laughs> I um, kind of sit back at the start of the season and sort of... Uh, take over uh, about 75% of the way through and, and sort of try not to relinquish the lead from there. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, well, I look forward to just trailing you guys behind uh, Bradbury <laughs> style and then waiting for you guys to all have some sort of accident where you forget to tip and get no points for it somehow. I don't know. I'm not going <laughs> to win this year. That's okay. Uh, I, I learned that many, many weeks ago, but what I want to learn... From you guys is particularly you, Miles. What did you learn from Magic Round this week? Well, what I learned is that halves are the new fullbacks, and there's not nearly enough quality sixes and sevens going around. Um, I, I don't know if the teams are out. They probably are out by now. But uh, from what I'd heard, both Albert Kelly and Moses Zemba are going to start in the halves this week for their respective teams, and and surely that was uh, not the plan going into the season for both the Broncos and the Tigers respectively. So. It's, I think it's no wonder that uh, the, the once unpopular playmakers of, of England are starting to get their tyres kicked again by more NRL clubs, obviously George Williams with the Raiders and, and now um, the Tigers, as I mentioned, bringing Jackson Hastings back from England. It's it's no surprise to see clubs looking uh, a little bit further afield and, and to non-traditional sources for their halves, given how, how uh, scarce a, a good one is uh, in Australia, it seems. And there are some good ones coming through. I mean, at the Tigers, they've got Jock Madden. Uh, the Roosters have got Sam Walker. Broncos had Tom Dearden, uh, or they do have for the rest of this year. Uh, but, yeah, whether they actually materialize into regular first-grade halfbacks, time will tell, I suppose. But, yeah, yeah I think you're right about that. And, and you are right that Albert Kelly has been named at 5'8 for the Broncos to partner with Tyson Gamble. Would not have predicted that at the start of the season, for sure. <laughs> Kieran, what did what did you learn from Magic Round? I learned the importance of having a, a utility player or two, even if they aren't a bench player, which has been prevalent for much of the season. Um, unless you're at the Penrith Panthers, it's proven so pivotal, uh, whether it be cover for injury or just to rearrange your team to suit strengths of others. We saw it perfectly as executed with Dewey switching to centre and playing a major role in the Tigers' victory with Brooks also excelling as the commanding playmaker. Not to mention Nico Hines, uh, you know, with Pappenhausen returning, he shifts into 5 eighth, and then Pappenhausen gets mm. injured, so he shifts back to fullback, and uh, he's he's a heck of a player. But more on Nico Hines very shortly. Mm. Uh, what I learned, oh, I think I kind of already knew, but I've I've really shut the gate on it now this this week. Uh, that the top five is a lock. That's there's just no doubt in my mind now. Uh, but barring ridiculous circumstances, they aren't touchable. That is the Panthers, Eels, Storm, Rabbitohs, and Roosters. But positions six to eight are far more intriguing. With the Cowboys down in twelfth, equal with eighth, and sixth and seventh just one win in front of them. 
let's go through to the wildcard awards as there was a hoon near somebody's house. Who was, who was that? <laughs> that was me. Oh, is that someone screaming up the green slope somewhere? That's interesting. Uh, let's go to the wildcard awards. I will start with the Galaxy Brain Award for best player removal, which goes to Todd Payton, who, with the precision of a surgeon, identified Josh McGuire as the cancerous element in the Cowboys and handballed him to Anthony Griffin at the Dragons. The Dragons can't stop losing since McGuire's arrival and will now pay him to sit on the sidelines for five weeks after dangerous contact against the Storm. All I can say is bravo, Toddy Payton, bravo. Kieran, (laughs) what is your wildcard award for round 10? I've got the POD Boom Award for Is That All You Got? I'll Take Your Best Shot Award, which goes to the Melbourne Storm, courtesy of the Penrith Panthers. The Storm admittedly down troops put a score on the Dragons, only to then be better by the Panthers, scoring more points and conceding less. Yeah, as it sort of as the season goes on and on, it looks more and more likely those two will uh, line up again in the grand final. I think the first time since... 92-93 that we've had the same opponents in consecutive grand finals. I could be wrong about that. Miles, Didn't Storm your... Seagulls do it? You are right. You yeah. are right. 07-08. No, no, wow. Yeah, 07-08. Well done. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, because uh, the Storm beat the Seagulls in 07. That's wrong. And then the Seagulls beat the Storm in 08, but of course, 07 was stripped from the Storm. So well done, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> Galaxy of Brain Award also goes to Kieran Gibson. <laughs> Miles, what's your wildcard award for this week? Well, I um, I had named my award, but I'm going to also change it to the Galaxy Brain Award just because it's a great <laughs> meme and I, I really love it. Um, I'm giving it to Peter Vlandis, who, uh, when he took over the NRL uh, before last season, I think it was, he seemed hyper-obsessed with uh, speeding the game up. And, and one wonders where all the fussing over that went um, uh, the last round with the, the, cra- the crackdown on contact to the head, which we will get into a bit more later, which seems to have provided an, an even slower viewing experience than before Vlandy's arrived. So, you know, as they say, you've, you've got to crack a few eggs to make an omelette. But one wonders if, if Vlandy's has, has cracked his own pace of play prerogative due to concerns over whether the game is safe enough. Well, let's just dive right into that because I think it's a really interesting talking point and it is the talking point that has taken the rugby league world, at least the Australian and New Zealand rugby league world by storm. It is that incredible crackdown uh, that happened on the weekend. It was basically announced on what, like Thursday? Because we didn't catch it for last Wednesday's podcast. So I'm pretty sure it was announced like a day before uh, the game started. And the two Friday night games had four sin binnings each, which made it... Uh, pretty ludicrous scenes, really. Uh, there was also a few send-offs throughout the round. Uh, I want to get some thoughts about whether you guys uh, agree with the crackdown or, or think that it was successful, um, because I think, in theory, the idea of really, really cracking down on players getting hit on the head or any sort of dangerous contact is probably a good thing, and it certainly saves the the game in terms of like liabilities later down the track. But was it, yeah, was it successful? Because there are some people saying that it is the right thing to do, uh, including players, uh, sorry, coaches like Trent Robinson and uh, Wayne Bennett. So, Miles, was the crackdown a success? Well, as a sidebar, I would also like to add, having um, worked in, in media before, 
Uh, the fact that we heard about this on Thursday kind of clearly seems to me that they were, you know, was trying to keep this under wraps as much as possible, which, uh, and, and, you know, Vlandis is a shoot operator, but that seems bizarre because if if we had have copped this sort of uh, round unannounced with, with no prior warning, I think the inner world would have been blowing up even more. So, uh, I personally, I'm I'm glad that we were warned that there was there was going to be a crackdown because it was uh, it would have been seen a bit bizarre. But uh, I digress. Uh, I, I would yes, I would like to see the game made a, a little safer because I think um, with the way the athletes have changed over the past 10, 20 years, we've gotten bigger, stronger, and all. I think the laws do need to catch up with that a little bit. Um, but was this the way to do it? No, I no, I think it's 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 pretty obvious that it wasn't. And, I think, as I sort of said to you guys before, there there are some rules which uh, can be black and white. Like, for example, knock on. There's only way one way that that can occur on the in the game. Um, mm. But but rules around tackles and uh, and and head contact with the head. There, it, there's just so many ways that can happen, and it's one of the rules that's just sort of can't be black and white, both for for practicality and for entertainment reasons. So, uh, you know, seeing a player make a I can't remember who it was. I think it was might have been in the Dragons game, but seeing a player make a, a regulation tackle uh, only for the the ball runner's head to make an incidental amount of contact with the tackler's shoulder is uh, a situation that I don't think anyone really wants to see scrutinised because it's one of those, uh, as I said, it's one of those uh, indiscriminate moments in the game that you, you can't go penalising or it's just going to have a game that lasts uh, for, for four hours and, and no one enjoys watching. There were some instances where I was actually really happy with it because, uh, say, for example, Tyrell Fuemeano uh, from the Dragons, uh, I think, deserved to be sent off for his tackle. That was direct contact with the head. It seemed reckless. Uh, he's been suspended for five weeks as a result of that tackle. And I, I, I miss that from the game. I think there should be severe consequences for reckless play. Um, but I, th- and this might be my Cowboys bias just a little bit, but I don't think it is. Tedesco sinking in the tackle. It's a bear hug attempt from Lachlan Burr. Yes, his shoulder does technically make contact with his head, but it was, it was completely accidental in my opinion. And uh, to be sin bin for that seemed a bit harsh. Uh, Kieran, where do you land on all this? Well, just to go off what you were saying just now, and uh, Tedesco went off the field and came right back on after. So it showed that he no harm was done to him at all. And this is also not cowboy bias, but Trent Robinson even admitted last night that um, that was the wrong decision. And he thinks that a different, um, I guess, way of implementing the high tackle or dangerous tackle rule should be uh, brought in after... Uh, with what I agree with, I think both of you are saying uh, an unsuccessful weekend, uh, maybe a somewhat successful weekend, but it definitely needs a, a lot of teetering to it. Um, but anyway, Trent Robinson said that grade one tackle should be penalized and put on report with the player to remain on the field, which would have seen Lachlan Burr stay on the field. Hmm. I'm pretty sure the score was 18-16 at the time. So it's quite a, a big moment in the game. I'm not saying we would have won because I don't, I don't think we would have, but that call needed to be he needed to stay on the field um grade two a sin bin and then grade three a send off as miles said that the you you, it's not going to always be black and white there's a lot of interpretation around tackles but i think that that helps having that system in place that trent robinson suggested a lot um i had a friend mention to me that it should just teach players to tackle around the hips and the legs which i don't 100 percent agree with especially close to the line and when a player, a front rower, for instance, a big player is charging, it's not 
if you're a smaller player, you're not always going to be no matter what size you are, you're not always going to be able to bring them down around the legs. Um, having the benefit of being able to go up a bit higher helps, and if they then they fall into the tackle. I think as we're all saying, it's just how in that split second do you change the direction of your arm to to make it sure it doesn't uh, make contact with the head. So I, I'm not. I agree with Miles. I wasn't too happy with some of the send offs over the weekend um, that were like that. The contact was completely incidental I, d- I do side on the on the side of caution with this though especially given that the shoulder charge has largely been ruled out of the game and i'm still happy with the product of our game i, I just hope that they make the adjustments robson robinson has suggested or else team squads will be decimated and the roosters being granted an exemption uh, will be the only team granted an exemption to call up other players into their squad <laughs> <laughs> Miles, do you think uh, the NRL should be making such dramatic changes to the way that they officiate games mid-season? No, um, I don't, because uh, it, it will. Um, I, I'm almost certain we'll see this pegged back, uh, whether it's next round or the round after, and it, it kind of creates a sort of artificial vacuum in, in which this. This past week's games were, were played, which you know may or may not alter the the course of where the teams stand at the end of the season. But it still it, it does seem to sort of I'm not saying it calls into question the integrity of the game, but it just it, it kind of sullies it a little bit for me. And and one other thing I want to add from from what Kieran was saying there in that shoulder charges have been eradicated from the game. I, I agree, but I, something else that I, I would like to see cracked down upon is uh, the the play where a defensive player will shoulder charge a try score right in the corner. That, yeah. that seem, doesn't seem to have been eradicated from the game at all. In fact, it seems to have um, brought it out, if anything. You, and you see a lot of the, the smaller sort of fullbacks and, and halves uh, attempt it. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a popular one with Kalen Ponga. Um, but uh, yeah. no, he's certainly not the only player who, who practices it. And it, it just seems to can go unpenalised every single time. And uh, I would argue that's a much more dangerous play than... than uh, an incidental contact with the head by uh, by a shoulder in a, a regulation tackle. Absolutely, and I mean, like it's kind of like shoulder charges are banned. I mean, except if you're trying to stop a try being scored, then you know whatever, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, Kieran, are you with Miles that they should not be tinkering with rules, uh, and particularly not not just rules, but the way the game is officiated mid season? Yeah, it's more just the the drasticness of it. Like it's it's very different to the interpretations that we had in place before. Um, you would, I mean, we had one send off. I'm pretty sure one send off before this round, and now we've got four or five. Um, so I don't mind rule changes midway through the season if they're absolutely necessary. Maybe this is. I kind of side on the uh, err on the side that it, it, this is necessary, but it, it should not have been this drastic. I think we all agree on that, guys. Uh, moving forward to the amount of suspensions that came out of this, how's this for a, a list? We've got Tyrone Peachy out for two weeks for a crusher tackle. Herman S.A.S.A., who was sent from the field, uh, gets three weeks for his grade three careless tackle. Tyrell Fuimayono, who was also sent from the field for his reckless tackle, gets five weeks. Josh McGuire was cited for two separate incidences, but it or incidents, I should say, but uh, his dangerous contact was what got him five weeks on the sideline. 
Mikaeli Rabalawa had a shoulder charge, uh, so he got two weeks. Tarek Sims, dangerous contact, one week. Jack Whiten, one match for dangerous contact. Jordan Riki, two matches for a crusher tackle. Josh Papali'i, who also got sent from the field for a grade three careless. He will miss three matches, including Origin 1. And Josh Hodgson, one match, dangerous contact. That's a, that's a heck of a list. Uh, most of them are fairly consequential for the teams that have them. I'm looking at the Raiders. They're decimated. The Dragons will really struggle this week. Uh, Titans have to make some changes in their forward pack, particularly with David Fafita also out. Uh, but for Queensland, Josh Papali'i will miss Origin 1, as I've mentioned. And with Lindsay Collins already out for the season with an ACL injury, Kieran, you're a, you're a Queensland fan, but I want you to be a Maroon selector. If you could pick four front rowers, so that's two front rowers to start and then two on the bench, not counting a lock, who are you picking for Queensland? Uh, I'd definitely start with Welch and Arrow. Um, and then I would have um, Fodawaka. And I, I tried to make a case for Wallace, but I just don't know if he's... He's ha- been improved, um, but I don't know if he's good enough anymore uh, to play Origin. He just doesn't seem quite... <laughs> he has to really be up for it, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, or else you're just not going to get the best out of him. And he's, when he's below his best, he's not good enough for origin i wouldn't mind trying josh kerr i've actually my whole bench i, I wouldn't mind trying Marnie Marnie starting at nine and then grant off the bench um given grant hasn't played a full 80 minutes and is currently injured and then yeah as i said i'd have fodawaka sua and then yeah maybe josh kerr on the bench to go to go, to make the the entire bench there with that rotation so fodawaka uh kerr um welch and arrow Although you could also put Fas or Maliawi to um, front row and have someone else at lock. But then who would you have at lock, I suppose? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could, yeah. You'd just be swapping Arrow and, yeah, Fas or Maliawi. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, Carrigan is no longer an option. Uh, he has a season ending injury. Josh Maguire is no longer an option after his dangerous contact. Uh, Herman SASA is also not an option. Yeah, it, it starts to it starts to really uh, weigh on them now. Miles, you are not a blue. Sorry, you are a Blues fan. You're not a Maroons fan. But I, if I could ask you kindly to be a Maroons selector just for a small little while, uh, would you go with the same four, which would be Welch, Arrow, Fotuaka, and uh, Josh Kerr, or would you go with someone else? I would go with Welsh and Arrow in the front row. I think that's that's pretty rusted on now with uh, uh, with with Papali out for as long as he is. Um, in terms of the bench forwards, it's it's a real tough one. Um, I, I I tend to I do think Wallace has sort of shown enough. I mean, I, I know he's he's sort of on the nose with uh, Maroons fans after how, how poor he's been in 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 his Origin games and. He hasn't had the, the greatest few years, but I, I still think he's sort of at, of that quality and he's been playing well this year. And the other one I, I sort of would, wouldn't mind seeing play if I was a, a Queenslander would be Thomas Flegler. Um, mm. I, I think he's uh, he's real quality. He, he's a young guy as well. And I, I do think he's um, cut from an origin cloth and, and, and of that level where, you know, guys like uh, Fodawaker and, and Kerr for me, they're, they're not. They're, I think they're more... Um, 
they're more first graders in, in good form rather than uh, future state of origin players, if, if you know what I mean. And, and if that's the case, I'd rather err on the side of uh, a guy like Flegler. All three of us agree that Welch and Arrow should be the starting front rowers. And I, I'm sure that, Miles, you would agree that Fatsua Maliawi would be the lock after the season that he had yes, last. Yes, yes. Uh, so the the front rowers on the bench, uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. Like I thought about Jared Wallace as well, but I think if I was going to play Jared Wallace, who who fits that kind of Tim Glasby, Christian Welch kind of mould of being the kind of guy that just you plug him in, he'll do a job. Uh, Dynamis Louis probably fits this bill as well. Uh, just guys that you just plug in there, they'll do the defensive work. They won't let you down necessarily, but they're not going to turn a game in your favor. You've already got Christian Welch starting. Having two of those guys starting together doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I feel like you give the Blues a real chance to come out of the blocks flying. So, And I wouldn't want them coming off the bench as impact players. So Wallace and Louie miss out for me. Um, I tinkered with the idea of Flegler as well. I really, really like him. Um, but I've gone with Flutter Waker and this one might make Kieran projectile vomit. But I've gone, <laughs> I've gone with Cohen Hess. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. As a middle, like just purely as a middle, uh, he's, he's out with HIA this, uh, this week because of the small turnaround, um, between Saturday and Thursday, uh, such as the protocols. So he will miss this week, which gives him a rest really heading into origin camp. Um, he's got experience. He's the kind of big body that can provide impact. And since he's moved into the middle, he's been playing a lot better. So my four would be Welch Arrow. Waker and Hess, just a couple of big bodies to come on and, and try and continue the go forward because we know that the Blues, if they pick their four middles, they're probably going to be outstanding athletes. Um, so that's where I would go. Unlucky to Tom Flegler, he's probably my next one in. Um, Josh Kerr, yeah, yeah, there or thereabouts. <laughs> he's, been playing a, he's been playing a lot on the edge um, this season for the Dragons, um, which I've actually quite liked him on the edge, but not more than for feeder. Kafusi or Jaden Sewer, who I would pick instead of him. So uh, probably a little bit unlucky there too, but it's nice to have a few options, but I can't wait to get Josh Papali'i back for Origin too, let's put it that way. Um, and the last point that we were going to cover was some signings news, but really the only signing news that has happened is that Jared Beal has been signed by the Dragons, uh, presumably as injury cover, and he appears on their reserves list this uh, Friday night, I believe they're playing. So there's no real signing news to talk about, but there is some talk about Nico Hines, and particularly, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, with his utility value for the Storm. You plug him in on the bench, he'll do something. And he's a big enough body that you can you can kind of play him anywhere you need to. Um, should Nico Hines stay at the Storm and likely stay as an underpaid utility behind the likes of Pappenhausen, Munster, Jerome Hughes? Or should he move elsewhere, which would likely be for more money, and become probably a first-choice fullback or at least a starting 13 player? Kieran, what's what's your read on Nico Hines's best move? I think especially after last weekend, uh, he has to go... Or the week... Yeah, the weekend just gone. Um... We know he won't be a starting fullback or halfback at the Storm for some time with both of those positions locked down, and I just think he's too good to sit and wait uh, or be a utility. 
Um, I, I have looked at the ladder, though, and the players um, in positions where he could play. I mean, I think from what he's reported, he wants to play fullback. So that would land him at a, a team lower down the ladder, um, at least for mine, given that the, the fullbacks for all the top teams are, are covered. Um, but I think the Broncos are a perfect landing spot with Adam Reynolds signing for them next year and a good young forward pack. Um, and then, yeah, I just I just believe that the Broncos are still a big club that can and will attract top talent with Stags extending his stay too. And I think Nico Hines would relish that challenge. He seems like... He's uh, got a, a good mentality, and uh, we saw his stats on the weekend against the Dragons. He was a uh, freakish. I don't know what he ended up with, but um, he had. I think he had six line break involvements, or something, or six try involvement involvements, something like that. So yeah, he's could definitely do that for the Broncos. I think. I mean, in fairness, that's only like six percent of the tries they scored against the Dragons because they scored <laughs> like a hundred. Um, but that's it's still pretty good, I suppose. Um, yeah, look, the Broncos look like a team on the up, particularly with Adam Reynolds signing, as you say. Uh, fullback, you know, Jermaine Isako. Uh, look, if I'm Kevin Walters, I know where I'd be putting my money. And for Nico Hines, if he was to be a first-choice fullback for a club, he could expect, you'd say, at least 700000 a year, maybe maybe a little bit less for his inexperience. But, uh, yeah, he, he that would be a, a good financial decision for him, surely. Miles... If you're Nico Hines' uh, closest confidant, what are you recommending to your uh, to your person? Well, if I'm his closest confidant, I would um, I would caution him to um, it's probably a bit less about moving on in itself and, and more about where you're moving on to. Mm-hmm. Um, the Broncos, I could see him succeeding there. They are. A, historically successful club and 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 players have been known to to play well there um so i i could see that happening um is he better than jermaine Sarko right now no i don't think so but in the future possibly um the only other two sort of fullback openings i could see for him would probably be with the the bulldogs or the warriors and and the bulldogs well they've had a pretty shocking um off season in terms of uh signings that most of their uh, "Quote unquote big name signings have um, flopped thus far, so I, if I were Nico, I'd be looking at that and thinking, you know, no way am I going there. And the Warriors, I mean, obviously there's the relocation thing and, and moving to New Zealand, but also I, I just generally think that the, the Warriors are for, for for most players probably a little bit of a career dead end. Um, I know that there are some nice young players over there right now, and, and obviously Roger Tuivasa-Shek succeeded when he signed with the Warriors, but for, for most it does seem to be kind of." You go over there, you, you lose a little bit of touch with the Australian media and, and therefore you lose a little bit of touch with the NRL competition and your value tends to plummet or you, you don't play so well in a, unless you're, you're in a starring role like uh, RTS or, or Sean Johnson. So if those are the two options, I think I'd advise them to stay with the Storm and, and fight for a spot there because they can only deny you for so long if you, you are as good as you say you are. Yeah, it, it's a tough one for me because... Like, uh, you're looking at a, a young man. He he's only really just got his crack, uh, you know, last year really. Uh, and if if say the Broncos were willing to throw more than half a million dollars a season at him, that's a lot of money. Like that's that's a lot of money for a dude that did some teacher aid work in Mackay, you know, and and had uh, mental health issues and a whole bunch of things going against him and and to get that sort of money it'd be very hard to turn that down but i 
probably fall on your side of thinking there, Miles. I, I think... I'm just trying to think of how good he'll be. If I was his uh, consigliere, how good he would be in a couple of seasons after playing as a Storm's utility. I have no doubt in my mind the Storm would like to keep him. Um, so they would pay him as much as they can while not throwing their, their roster out of balance. So that might be something like 250k a year, maybe 300 if he's lucky uh, as a utility role. And that's pretty good money. Um We've, he's shown that he can slot in at fullback and 5'8 really well. The Storm's the kind of place that could manufacture a halfback out of him. Just look at Jerome Hughes. Um, and, you know, Pappenhausen goes off contract at the end of 2022. Uh, Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster may not play there forever. Uh, I think after a couple of seasons at the Storm, maybe win another premiership, his value will skyrocket even more than it is right now. As I said, if the Broncos came knocking now, they could very well get him for maybe 600k a year, which is not a lot for a first-choice fullback. Um, but, you know, plays a couple more seasons with the Storm, really knocks on the door, challenges a guy like Pappenhausen, and suddenly that 600k becomes 800, 900, depending on the market. Um, but if he was to go somewhere else, I agree with Kieran, the Broncos are certainly a club on the up. So that's that's a little bit of a food for thought for Nico. Uh, two of us are saying, mate, I would consider staying at the Storm, but if you are to go elsewhere, maybe maybe the Broncos are the place to go. Um, but time will tell, time will tell. Let's take a little halftime break. On the other side of the break, or during the break rather, you'll hear from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. And then we're going to talk about how the Firehawks have officially launched their bid to enter the uh, 17-man comp in 2023 and who we would target as their very first signing back soon. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favorite decade. Season one is ready to listen to right now, with season two arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So for Halftime Entertainment, this episode, we are talking about the Brisbane Firehawks who have officially launched their bid to become the 17th team in the NRL, starting in the 2023 season, which means they would have approximately 18 months or so to get their their stuff together and get a roster together as well as having a coach and things like that. Now, my understanding is that Wayne Bennett has uh, tentatively agreed uh, in theory to be involved with the club, which probably means he'd be their inaugural coach, which would be quite a coup for them considering he was the Broncos' inaugural coach back in 1988. But what I wanted to ask Kieran and Miles is if you were in charge of the Firehawks, who is an off-contract player at the end of two t- 2022 who would be your first key signing? Uh, and I'll start with you, Kieran, given that you are a Brisbane re- resident. Yeah, look, I I went through the list and I had a, a short list of four players. I had Brandon Smith, Joey Manu, Herbie Fineworth and Reed Marnie, but I've landed on Reed Marnie. Um, he's from Nambour and I think we've seen this season, I just said before, I, I'd start him in origin, so... 
I think we've all seen enough from him this season to suggest he can play Origin. And if Wayne's there, I think he could possibly lure Marnie there. Mm. Um, and I, I just think that would be a huge signing to have as your number nine. Um, he plays somewhat similar to, uh, oh, I was going to say Cameron Smith, but he's, ki- he's got a kicking game that Cameron Smith had. Now he's developed that. He's, his passing service is first class. Um, mm-hmm. He has a bit of a running game again this season now, which Grant also had. I, I think he's got every, every weapon that you want a number nine to have. Um, I was going to go Brandon Smith, but I honestly think I can see Marnie having a better career than Smith um, as much as I rate uh, Brandon. Um, so, yeah, I, I would go Marnie. I think he could even be your captain potentially. He is a Queensland boy, as you mentioned as well, which would probably be part of the branding for a, a, a new Queensland team. It, you know, like when, for example, one of the first signings the Titans put together was Scott Prince, right? One of the first signings the Broncos put together was Wally Lewis. You know, you want to get your Queensland talent. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the Cowboys first was a, a, a Laurie Spina. <laughs> lofty names. Um the, the crushes came out with uh, Trevor Gilmeister. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you, you try and get your Queensland talent. Laurie Spina was a uh, an okay North Queensland player that played for the Bears for a while, but he was the Cowboys' inaugural captain. Uh, Reed Marnie could be one for the Firehawks. That's not a bad call at all. Miles, uh, how do you how do you read this? Well, I think the Titans uh, one of their inaugural signings also was was Preston Campbell. And true. Um, so I'm going to take some inspiration from the the Titans' current fullback and say AJ Brimson, who is is also off contract at the end of next year. Um, and I think if he continues his his current trajectory, he projects as probably one of, if maybe even the NRL's premier fullback in in 2023. So apart from being obviously a, a proud uh, Queenslander and a um, you know, a member of a fellow Queensland team, which I'm sure would play fantastic to the media, uh, that would be a fantastic signing. <laughs> Guys, I've got two names in my little short list. I'm going to give uh, Miles a guess at one of them. Uh, AJ Brinson. <laughs> and I'm going to give Kieran a guess at the other one. Read mine. <laughs> Very good. I thought exactly the same way you guys did. I saw a couple of young off-contract players, a couple of Queenslanders in good form. Uh, AJ has some Queensland experience. By then, Reed Money may well as well. Uh, both in key positions, so you can start to build a team around them. You're right about the Preston Campbell call, Miles. In fact, he may well have been their very first signing. Uh, or maybe Matt Rogers even. I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but it was a few of those guys. Uh, AJ Brimson, Reed Money, both fantastic calls. If I had to pick one, I'll go with AJ. But that's a tough crowd, and that's really tough on Reed Money. So um, AJ Brimson for me, AJ Brimson for Miles, Reed Money for Kieran. If we got together as a consortium and got both of those guys as our first two signings, I think the people of Brisbane oh. would be very, very happy. Absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? In fact, we should put it to the Firehawks. Just say, guys, guys, you put in the money. We'll handle the rest. <laughs> and, and pay us for it, please. Uh, alright guys thanks very much for that let's have a very short musical break and then we're back in the second half to analyse the upcoming fixtures of round 11 
All right, round 11 is upon us. The magic has ceased, at least magic round has, and until we have another one, we're back to regular broadcast, which starts on Thursday evening, which is between the Cowboys and the Knights from Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. Miles, what's the lowdown on this one? Well, the Knights looked awful with their heavily depleted team last week against the Tigers, and they're on the road again this week. That's uh, notoriously tough position to win in and, and they're going to have to pull out something special to get the win so uh, and I, I can't just I just can't see them uh, I, I can't envision that from the likes of uh, Texoy and, and Phoenix Crossland so I'm, I'm actually going to tip the Cowboys here to, to get up at home yeah there is a something that I've noticed is that Blake Green is named amongst the reserves and if he was fit I would suggest that he would come straight into that team I think they desperately need a guy like him I'm also going to go for the Cowboys, part head, part heart on that one. Kieran, where do you land? Yeah, there's no Ponga in the 21 for the Knights. I'm going the Cowboys. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's good. Although Cohen, as I said, Cohen has is out, so there is a debut for Hylam Lukey on the on the interchange bench, unless of course Todd Payton changes his mind. Hylam Lukey is a 20 year old back rower, so uh, very exciting for him. Congratulations to him should he make his debut. Kieran, you have the next game, which is between the Warriors and the Tigers on Friday evening from Central Coast Stadium in Gosford. Yeah, the the Warriors played really well against Parramatta, especially in that second, well, the second half at least. They showed a lot of fight. Um, that was kind of their uh, hallmark under Peyton last year. And um, mm. unfortunately for them, Rocco Berry is out with a HIA. He's uh, shown a lot of promising signs. Um, as for Maguire, I'm pretty sure, yeah, his name the same 17 as um, last week. Uh, with Dewey still at centre and Moses Embi at 5'8", which I thought worked beautifully. Um, it says here Russell Packer will wait at least another week to return, but we'll have to see if he does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this one's being played at, at Central Coast Stadium in Gosford, 6pm. Um, uh, yeah, I think that the Warriors showed enough last week and have showed enough this season. Even if they are a bit hit and miss, they're a bit less hit and miss than the Tigers. I'll go the Warriors. Yeah, the Tigers um, have a settled 17 for this occasion, and they have a couple of names like James Robertson, Stefano Utoikamanu uh, in their reserves. So they've, they've got some depth there, but the Warriors are also pretty settled in their 17 uh, at the moment, apart from, of course, some injuries that you mentioned. I, too, will go the Warriors. Miles, you have a little bit of a soft spot for the Tigers at times. Do you see them getting the probably the upset here? Uh, I certainly could, but uh, I must say, and this might sound a little bit weird, but I, I actually think that the uh, the Warriors were more impressive last week than the Tigers, despite the Tigers obviously winning the game. I, I, I was actually quite impressed by the Warriors and their, their efforts against the Eels. And the, the Tigers, I, I fully expected them to, to roll over the Knights, maybe not on the, 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 the um, tipster's sheet, but um, uh, either way, it was... It, uh, if anything, they, they probably shouldn't have leaked the three tries to that, that Knights team. So I, I am going to tip the Warriors. Not confidently, but uh, I will tip them nonetheless. I'm, I'm with you, Miles. I tipped the Knights last week, but that was when I thought Ponga was playing. Uh, yeah, and I didn't, precisely. I didn't think to change my tip. <laughs> so, uh, whereas I'm sure, Kieran, you would have remembered that. Well, I remembered, but I didn't change my tip. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Down a oh. tip on you guys. <laughs> you silly, silly boy. Um, I have the next one, which is on my birthday, by the way, Friday the 21st, if you want to send me money. Um, it is between, <laughs> it's between... That didn't sound desperate at all, did it? Um, it is bet- I'm willing to work for the money. Um, <laughs> it's between the Sharks and the Dragons. What a birthday present for me. From Netstrata, Jubilee Stadium... <laughs> This is a local derby. It also feels strange to call it a Sharks home game, given that it's at Jubilee. But uh, nonetheless, of course, Shark Park is under renovations. Uh, the Sharks, I think, are 1-17. to They have got Sean Johnson on, named amongst the reserves. They're hopeful that he will play. If he is available, I would assume he slots straight in to 5-8. Matt Moylan probably moves to the bench which would be bad news for Braden Trindle. The Dragons are completely decimated by uh, partly injury with Matt Dufty out. Cody Ramsey moves to fullback and Max Figuet uh, back to the wing. Jordan Pereira is also back from injury, so he's also on the wing. Uh, Fuimayano is suspended, so Billy Burns uh, comes into the centres. Uh, Maguire is suspended, so Ma Asili comes into lock. It's a... It's a bit of a shit fight at the Dragons uh, young front rower Jaden Hunt looks set to make his debut off the bench they do have the cavalry arriving though with the likes of Jared Beal amongst their reserves so uh, yeah, look, if Jared Beal starts at halfback for the Dragons they win by 50 but otherwise I'm going to go with the Sharks on this one Kieran where do you land? yeah Sharks <laughs> It's an interesting one to tip here because the Dragons are currently sixth and the Sharks are currently third last. Uh, Miles, do you still tip the Sharks as well? Um, I, you know what, I really want to tip the Dragons, but I, I'm going to tip the Sharks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think I think Sean that's... Johnson will play, and I'm going to tip the Sharks. Yeah, he's, he, if he does play, he certainly brings that extra layer of class that the Dragons probably don't have at the moment, particularly with all those injuries and suspensions. Let's move forward to Saturday afternoon from Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast. It is the Gold Coast Titans against the red-hot Canterbury Bulldogs. Miles, uh, how do you see this one going? Well, the, the Bulldogs have, for their credit, they've, they've looked closer and closer to that elusive uh, second win, I think it is. Uh, I think they've only got one right now. Um, mm-hmm. which should certainly scare the Titans. But I, I think in Queensland, the the home team needs to secure the, the bag in this case to, to seriously consider themselves finals contenders. And they, uh, um, I'm pretty sure they do get Ash Taylor back for this one as well. Um, so some would see that as a negative maybe, but I'm not going to see it as a positive. Um, I, I think the Titans will win this one. Ash Taylor has been named among the reserves, so he is a chance of returning. Tanner Boyd is still named at 5'8 at this point. The Bulldogs have a debut with Aaron... Uh, apologies to Aaron if I mispronounce your last name. It looks like Shoop or Scalp, um, but he he's making his debut. Congratulations to him. Uh, the Bulldogs are sticking with Jake Avarillo at halfback with Brendan Wakeham at 5'8". So uh, very interesting. Kyle Flanagan has to cool his heels once again. I'm going with the Titans. Kieran, are you backing your fellow Queenslanders? I am. I've gone the Titans as well. They're getting uh, Tino Fatsu Maliawi back. Oh, no, he, he did play last week. My apologies. Never mind. Scratch that. Um, Kieran, you have the next game, which is on 5.30 p.m. Uh, from the Sydney Cricket Ground with an asterisk next to it. 
uh, on NRL.com. Not sure what that's about. It's between the Roosters and the Broncos. Yeah, um, so for the first time in a long time, well, I th- what I think is the first time in a long time, the Roosters have ch- named an unchanged 17, mm. uh, and they just continue to churn out good performance after good performance despite their depletion of cavalry. Uh, uh, I guess I can't kettle. I guess is the word. Um, mm. They've lost a lot of players to injury this season, and they're, they're still playing well. Meanwhile, for the Broncos, Albert Kelly is the, the new 5'8". After what I actually predicted in the preseason, Anthony Milford would be dropped, um, at least to the bench, and he's been, I believe, dropped altogether. Um, Twice, on the side. Yeah. Twice, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the right move, uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing Albert Kelly again. I thought he was okay in... Flash. Well, to be honest, I actually kind of think Albert Kelly is a like for like of Milford. So, but I guess if Milford's not performing, you may as well put Albert Kelly in there. Um, uh, Herbie Fineworth has been named despite being restricted to re- the rehab group during the re- the week. Um, I think I know he plays centre, but if the Broncos are to be any way competitive, they need him on the field. He runs regularly for. 200 meters plus, um, but yeah, I've got the Roosters. I think they've just got too much class. Yeah, there's uh, a few little stories here. Um, Kobe Hetherington, who is a hooker, is making his debut off the bench, uh, and Keenan Palacia uh, is in the back row to replace the suspended Jordan Riki. Uh, he played two games back in 2019, so he has been in the wilderness for a little while, Keenan. Good luck to him, and good luck to Kobe Hetherington, and I think they're going to need it. Uh, the Roosters should get this one done. Miles, do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely see the Roosters winning this one. Alrighty, and later on Saturday evening is what would have been preseason billed as one of the hottest games of the season, but it's... I'm not so sure. No, not so sure it is anymore. It certainly won't, won't be hot. It'll be cold at GIO Stadium in Canberra. It's between the Canberra Raiders and the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Jack Whiten is suspended, as I mentioned. Uh, so that means Sam Williams will slot in at five eighth with George Williams at halfback. No relation. Uh, Jared Croker is still out, so Sebastian Chris holds his spot. Uh, Chance Nickel Crookstar is still out, so Caleb Aikens holds his spot. Uh, Josh Papali'i is out suspended, so Dunamis Louis and Emre Gula will be the front row pairing. Brad Schneider is a halfback. Uh, it will be making his NRL debut off the bench to replace the suspended Josh Hodgson. Um, uh, they'll be sweating on the fitness of guys like Saliva Havili and uh, Sia Soliola, who are named amongst the reserves. While the Storm will be without Pappenhausen, but as we said, Nico Hines slots in quite comfortably there. No Cameron Munster. He's out injured still. Chris Lewis, the back rower, mm. has been named at 5'8", which is a little bit interesting. Brandon Smith returns at hooker. Um, and they've named a four-forward uh, rotation on the bench, although Tom Eisenhuth can play some backline positions if need be. Uh, Cooper Johns is named amongst the reserves. I would not be shocked if Cooper works his way at least onto the bench to uh, take on that 5-8 role. Uh, on form, even though with, with those outs, the Raiders have plenty of key outs as well, so I've got to go with the Storm despite the travel to Canberra. Kieran, where do you land on this one? Yeah, I've almost seen enough from the Raiders to suggest they won't make the 8. I've got to go to the Storm. Oh, big call. There's still a lot of time there, and they are currently in the eight at eighth spot, uh, equal eighth, of course. 
Miles, do you have more faith in the green machine or is it the purple grimaces for you? <laughs> it's the purple grimaces for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I should stick to the script. Stick to- <laughs> um, Miles, on Sunday afternoon, uh, there'll be a game at Apex Oval at Dubbo and it could well be a blockbuster. It's the Rabbitohs and the Panthers. Yeah, the, the, the Rabbitohs have timed it nicely to, to get all their players back. Um, obviously, Latrell Mitchell, the big in here, but also Campbell Graham, Josh Mansour, both back. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're named in the starting side. Um, but uh, And one would assume that, at the very least, you'd need a, a full complement of players to uh, to beat the Panthers, so the Rabbitohs have that. But um, I, I still think they're probably not quite on the Panthers' level. Um, I, I certainly think they're capable of winning it, and... Who knows? Maybe Dubbo will throw up some crazy stuff, and they they, they will win it. Um, but I, I I do think that the Panthers are probably going to uh, get the chocolates here. The fine people of Dubbo may well have uh, get the game called off as two punters brawl and uh, fall over into the field, and chaos ensues. <laughs> Who knows? What Big shout out to the, the people of Dubbo. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of our most loyal listeners, I'm sure, until that moment. Um, <laughs> The Panthers welcome back Kurt Capewell, which moves Liam Martin back to the bench. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they're not really weakened at all there. The last week's debutante, Jermaine Hopgood, is the unlucky person to miss out there. Uh, the Rabbitohs have Campbell Graham on the reserves. Hope that, see, if he's fit, I would imagine he comes in for perhaps Braden Burns. Uh, and, of course, they will miss Cameron Murray with Liam Knight named at lock. I'm just going to go with a gut one on this one because I'm seven points behind even third place on the tipping. I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. Um, the Panthers have won 10 in a row to start the season. They simply cannot be up every game. I mean, they, they, they pretty much were last season, so they can. Uh, but <laughs> surely, surely not for two seasons in a row. It's, there's got to be some dip in form somewhere. So I'm going to tip that it's... a nearly full-strength Rabbitohs that does it. Kieran, who you got? Oh, look, I was actually going to... My gut was siding... It is siding with the Rabbitohs, but I just think that the, the vein of form that their main playmaker in Cleary, uh, the form that he's in, I, I can't go against the Panthers if he's leading them around. Yeah, he broke a, a super coach record, did he not? With like 240,000 yeah. points or something. <laughs> um, amazing stuff from the number seven from the Panthers. And the final game is between the Eels and Seagulls from Bankwest Stadium in Sydney. Kieran, a um, couple, of, couple of red hot teams. I believe they've... No, the Seagulls have won four out of their last five. The Eels have won their last five. Yeah, um, we're spoilt for choice for for games on the on Sunday. Um, they should be two blockbusters. And uh, for the Eels, uh, Jacob Arthur is still there in place of Dylan Brown, who's still suspended. Um, and I think Joey Lusick comes onto the bench for uh, Ray Stone, dropping back to the reserves. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Coach Des Hasler has tapped uh, Kay Cuss to replace Kieran Foran, who's out with a hand injury at five eight, with Josh Schuster staying in the back row and I thought Schuster was really brilliant um, against the Broncos some slider hand passes uh, were just really good to watch against um, them on Friday night so uh, I really like him staying at, at, at second row and uh, being able to punch out some big meters and also being able to ball play at the same time mm-hmm. um, yeah I've kind of waxed lyrical about a few manly players there but I believe that the Eels will win <laughs> 
Yeah, I also like that they've kept Schuster there. There would have been some temptation to move him to 5'8", but Cade Cust looks lively enough, and Schuster is very much out of that Wade Graham mold, isn't he? And, I mean, Wade Graham's won a premiership yeah. by being that kind of player. Um, so I, I do like that. I do like the Sea Eagles' form. I'm happy to admit that I was perhaps wrong when I said that they could not make the eight, although, you know, it is still early in the season and Tom Trubojevic is still, you know, (laughs) injury prone, of course. Uh, Touch wood, hopefully he doesn't because he's fantastic to watch. Possibly the most informed player in the comp, certainly one of the most influential for his team's success. So I cannot write them off, but I think... Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with the Seagulls as well. Um, I could see them really, really targeting uh, the right side defense of of the Eels. Um, and that could lead to a lot of points for guys like Ruben Garrick. So, uh, especially with Josh Schuster on that left edge. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think let's go to Seagulls. Why not? Miles, do you have as much faith as Kieran and I in the Seagulls? I think they can win it, but I think it's going to be the eels in a close one yeah but and hopefully it is a close one hopefully we get two really really great games between the rabbitos and the panthers it's golden point time guys uh what are your bold predictions for the week i'll start with you please moss well look uh, i think every week that we see a, a rule or a, a changed inter- interpretation that the market seems to sort of overcorrect a bit um and and we see a ton of whistles on on what would be in any other week a, um, be let go. Uh, so I think we'll see far less ejections and, and sin bins this week than we, we did last week, uh, allaying uh, a fair amount of the concern exhibited by the, the NRL community this past few days. Um, I, I can't... I, I'm not going to give you any solid numbers or anything. I think we're just going to see less um, send-offs and, and sin bins. So I, I'm not sure what the totals are this week. Um, and it's probably not too bold a prediction, but Either way, it's, uh, it's uh, as I've said uh, a few times, uh, I want something to cheer for with my bold predictions, and, and I'm certainly cheering for that this week. So I think it was I think it was 13 and 3. 13 Simmons and 3 send-offs from memory. So I could be wrong on that. It might have been 4 send-offs. But yeah, so let's let's call it 15 or less. So that would be <laughs> that would be You lovely. know what? Let's, let's, let's make it a bit bolder. If it's 13 and 3, uh, I'll say uh, more than half the amount that we saw last week so let's say five and one because there's no real round number for for half there five and one all right cool sounds good and kieran what's your bold prediction for round 11 Uh, i couldn't come up with a a classic outside the box one so i've just gone with brimson to really ramp up his claim for the queensland number one jersey with two line breaks two tries and 170 running meters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with with all respect to the Bulldogs by the sounds of it <laughs> yes. from you there. Uh, look, it could happen. Two tries, two try assists. That would be that would be Tom Tuborovic numbers, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. my bold prediction is a simple one. I, I think tipping anyone to beat the Panthers is a bold prediction, so I'm gonna stick with that. I think the Rabbitohs winning in a close one. But the Rabbitohs will beat the Panthers to end their hot streak this Sunday. So that is my ball prediction. Guys, as always, thank you so, so much for your company this Tuesday evening. Uh, and as always, go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys. <laughs> go Bo's cricket team. Yes, I've got a jet like right now. It's like <laughs> I've got 10 minutes to run down to the sports center. I've already got my go contacts Bose. in. I've got my bad news pink uh, jersey on. I'm ready to go. So uh, three, two, one, gone. Time.
Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.